Hello and welcome once again to the Pressing Matters podcast. I'm Sam Hyde. I'm joined, uh, as always, by Toby Puisava. Uh Normally I call you a football expert, don't I? But uh, I didn't this week. But I'm not allowed it this week, hey? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> after, some, um, after some dubious calls. I did actually notice your FPL team this week and saw that you brought in Mudrick. So maybe that is like playing on my mind a bit. I think that's probably grounds to drop expert, you know? But hey, he looked electric against James Milner for 15 minutes. So why wouldn't you put him in, right? Side of a world-class player, isn't it? If you can uh, run past James Milner and make him look in trouble. So uh, there's there's a lot going on this week. Uh, it seems there was a lot going on last week as well. So uh, I think we're just going to get right into it. Jesse Marsh has got sacked. It kind of came out of nowhere, but also everyone expected it at the same time, I think. It's a weird, like, it felt like it could happen at any point, but Leeds were kind of, I don't know, they felt like they were fine. But what do you think about Leeds? I think I think it had to happen because I don't, th- I think it's criminal what he's, the, the performances that he's, that his team has been putting in with a good squad and with money that's been spent. Um, I wasn't expecting criminal right out the bat, but yeah, criminal. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Yeah, no, no holds barred. Is that even a saying? Because I really, really don't know how that could no, no bars hold makes sense. Um, yeah, no criminal, Sam. I think, um, I think it's extremely tight down the bottom of the table. Uh, well, I don't think it is extremely tight down the bottom of the table. And um, I don't think they should even be in a relegation scrap. At the start of the season, if you'd said that they'd be, well, joint on points with uh, with Everton, who who are in the relegation zone, at the halfway stage, I think most Leeds fans would have laughed at you. I think they were happy with, with um, the investment. Um, I'm not sure if they were happy with... Jesse Marsh as such, because I don't think even last season he he really set set too many worlds alight in the Leeds fan base. Um, to be honest, but yeah, I think I think he had to go. I think it was time to go, and I think if if not, you could be in danger of them just sinking further down uh, because they they were awful against the weaker teams. Who would like to sit back and not entertain a, an end-to-end press-off? Let's cause chaos and see who can exploit it the best kind of game. They were terrible against those teams, and then the teams where they could do that more effectively just had more more quality than them to actually exploit, like turnovers and moments of chaos where there's not too much settled, um, there aren't too many settled shapes and and too much organization there in in terms of like a deep defensive organization so um yeah i don't think it's a recipe that was really going to end too well um i think they just found themselves struggling against the lesser teams and then putting in good performances against the top teams but still ultimately usually falling short um and with the league being so finely balanced as it is and so competitive as it is it's just you can't get away with that, I think. Yeah, well, this is the thing because uh, I watched them against Arsenal a few months ago and Leeds were th- honestly the best team I've seen play against Arsenal all season. They completely out- outplayed us and 
there was quite a big battle between Aaron Ramsdale and Patrick Bamford throughout the game, and Ramsdale won it, and you, it felt like if there was someone other than Bamford, he'd just come back from injury as well, so um, it felt like Leeds really could have had a, a, a big result there. Um, you, you feel a little bit unlucky because Rodrigo has got injured uh, for the second time now, um, you know, he's just sort of getting into form and scoring goals both times and then they lose him. And I think also on, on that with the injuries, I think that is a, a common theme that has come through. I think Bielsa losing his job. I think there was a lot of talk even last season of if Bamford was fit, it wouldn't, they wouldn't be in a relegation scrap. They'd be a mid table team. Um, you know, that sort of view. So maybe I've, maybe I've opened quite harsh on, on Marsh. Harsh harsh. <laughs> I've got their recent results here and uh, they've gone seven games without a win, which is obviously not good at all. But uh, they lost to Spurs and City, which you kind of expect them to. And they lost to Villa, who have been pretty good, a lot better than uh, under Gerrard, obviously. And uh, the other loss was, of course, to Forest this weekend, which felt like a really big blow. But at the same time, Forest have a really good record. They've um, one, four, drawn three in the last seven at home. Um, they seem like a bit of a revitalised team. Uh, and then Leeds drew to Newcastle, which is a fine result, really. And then to West Ham and Brentford. And you, you just think because the table is so tight, like they only really need like a goal or two in 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 any of those games. And you'd think the opinion of Marsh would be totally different. I think also all the teams around them down there are happy to change how they will play to survive, right? I think I think you're looking at teams like Everton now under Dyche, they will become more solid. Nottingham Forest, their recent run of, of form, they have been more solid defensively in that. I think even even West Ham going back in sort of reverting back into a sort of more solid, compact unit that can then break um, on teams, and that's what brought them so much success last year. Uh, even Bournemouth being very sort of defensively sound first, and then will will look to try and win the game. And it just doesn't feel like Leeds under Jesse Marsh were ever going to take that approach, which is great for the neutral. And even like you said, the, they played brilliantly against Arsenal, you know, and they will be aggressive on the front foot. They will press aggressively, but. It it just leaves it just leaves so many mediocre defenders exposed, open, isolated for just too many sustained periods of the game. I think um, so. I think that's 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 all, that was just always going to be an issue, and and Marsh wasn't going to change, so it was always going to stay as an issue. And in a relegation scrap, you, you, it's. You, you can't really get away with that because if you are just going to keep losing games because you're shipping too many goals then then yeah what what what's the way out of that what's the what's the quick fix i think the the system and blueprint that Jesse Marsh has been using it, you can't really say oh it needed more time or it needed certain players it, they've they've signed everyone that he would want to have signed surely to to make this work and it's not been successful yeah, it feels like we're going over a lot of the same things that were said when Bielsa got sacked. Uh, there were some sort of comments saying that Marsh is 
is is fairly similar to Bielsa with with some differences. Yeah, I think. Oh, I mean, Bielsa had a very much like a man orientated press, right, leaving someone free at the back, and it was like a, you know, it was a, it was it was a different system, but the principles of play, I suppose, were still the same in terms of causing a high amount of turnovers, using transitions as your sort of main creative outlet. Um, I think Bielsa used a lot more width than Jesse Marsh, but the but the idea was still there of um, of how you want to be aggressive off the ball, right? Um, and and causing turnovers to then exploit turnovers um, when teams aren't as organised. And it's a good it's a it's it can be a successful style of play. There's no doubts, but it's also a double edged sword that can cause it can leave you wide open and cause sort of defensive frailty as well, right? I think I don't mean that's. A, I mean we've spoken previously in in different episodes of the podcast about sort of Patrick Vieira coming in and playing a more aggressive um, style and and not sort of sitting as deep into his own half or or whatever um, like the manager before him. Uh, it's hard to transition into a club that can be on the front foot, aggressive, pressing high up high up the pitch. It's hard to transition to that and, and not be drawn into a relegation scrap whilst going through that change, I think. Um, so I can maybe sympathise a little bit, but it feels like a bit of naivety about the the calibre of the league Jesse Marsh was, was entering here. Do you know what I mean? One other thing, one other thing. Does he get another job in the Prem? No. Like, you know, obviously he could come back in a couple of years, like, but it's... Has he done enough to warrant... A position in the uh, in the next three years, do you reckon? Three years is pushing it. I think, like, it's a, in the next two, I'll say he probably wouldn't. I think he's. Uh, I think Klaus would probably see it as a risk. So, let's say our goodbyes to Jesse Marsh now, then, for the next two years, Sam, because there's no other football that exists other than Premier League football. No. <laughs> How do you feel about another manager who uh, is in danger? Possibly. Uh, Nathan Jones of Southampton. <laughs> the fact that he's um, in danger possibly already is just exceptional. Sorry, carry on. And beautiful segue, by the way. So, um, yeah, so Nathan Jones was appointed in November the 10th. So he's that was before the World Cup as well. So uh, he's not had an awful lot of time to showcase his um, managerial abilities. I'll tell you what, he has had a, enough time to showcase though, Sam. His press conference petulance, okay? Are you not a fan? Uh, I'm getting negative vibes. Uh, no. Uh, well, I think... No, to be honest. I thought that he came across poorly in that recent interview. He started talking about himself. Do you want me to quote him? Yeah, can you please quote him? Yeah, so the, the quotes are... He said that uh, he's compromised. Uh, I've compromised in terms of certain principles... Uh, because of fans and so on, a few little things. Um, I've been very successful playing a fluent style. Luton were a real aggressive front-footed side, and so statistically there weren't many better than me around Europe in terms of aggression, clean sheets, defending the box, balls in the box, XG. I think the issue that I've got with this, right, is like, that's great and all, but you're now in the Prem, show us you can do it. 
and and this whole compromise thing you've been you've been hired as a premier league manager to get the job done you're firstly if you need to compromise that's fine i don't have an issue with that look it, management is about working with people and and you need to have people skills you need to have emotional intelligence because you could have all the ideas in the world if nobody buys into it you, you know you're not you're not getting anywhere now the players are paid to buy into it, I suppose, but it's, we're human beings. You can't. It doesn't work like that, sadly. Sadly for this, the the petulant Nathan Jones. Um, so I think this whole oh I've compromised. No, what you've done is you've gone in there and either and you've done the job wrong. If you're double, if you're backing down from what you initially went in with, then you you misjudge the situation and have and have made errors there and are now having to. Um, double back on yourself on whatever these compromises were to correct w- what you did but fundamentally what you did wrong when you first came in okay so you can talk about your xg stats your running numbers your fluidity in attack for Luton but you've got your Premier League break you even beat Manchester City in the cup and yet it's just it just feels negative 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 and I just think in a relegation scrap when you're bottom of the league or whatever bringing that sort of attention onto and bringing that sort of spotlight onto your team in a press conference I just don't see how it can be anything other than a negative thing I think that there's a level where it's like he's accepting that he's made mistakes but it's the tone of what he said that comes across as as petulant and uh, the sort of thing that you'd wonder how the players would react to hearing that so he He's been talking about if he's been making compromises or not. There was a big decision that, um, a weird decision as well, seemingly, because they lost 3 0 to Brentford at the weekend. The day before that, um, Southampton's B team was playing in the Premier League Cup quarterfinal against Sheffield United. And, um, you know, this just randomly came up on my Twitter. And there was a surprising amount of players that you'd heard of in there, which is unusual for a B team match because, uh, Bella Kotchap, who uh, I watched a lot at the start of the season before the World Cup, I thought he was brilliant along with Salisu. Like they seem like they're both, you know, Bella Kotchap is really young and Salisu is um, approaching his peak. And that feels like it could be a really great centre-back partnership. Um, Chiletta Carr was in the B team, who a lot of Saints fans say has been their best defender. Um, Gineppo was in there and the new signing Orsic, who was playing in European football. Um, you know, the Theo Walcott was playing at the weekend. It's 2023 and Theo Walcott is playing and Orsich was in the B team. It just felt really odd. I don't know what's gone on, but um, Belakotchev and Gineppo did have injuries recently, so you could argue he's easing them back in in the B team, but uh, everyone apart from Chiletta Carr played 90 minutes in the in the B team game and when you then go on to lose 3-0 to Brentford with without two really good defenders for Southampton and your new attacking signing, it's just like it just feels so strange. Yeah, it 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 seems like there's something deeper going on. I was gonna say this that well, the whole aspect of sort of easing in injuries and things like that and getting minutes and, and match fitness, but yeah, it's it definitely seems odd. Um I don't understand it. I saw it actually on Twitter. Um, 
the day before the game when it happens because I just saw a Saints fan that I follow retweeting uh, well just quoting it and saying uh, our two best centre-backs aren't playing tomorrow I take it I didn't really have a clue what was going on because I just came up and I thought I thought right whatever they must be injured or something right it just it just seems like a bizarre situation and and that as well is just things like that it's not going to help I think when you're down at the bottom of the table there's no no team this season are like the team that everyone's just stuffing and everyone just knows that you're you're it's it's there's no guaranteed three points in the league at all. Southampton are probably the closest thing to it, um, but there's no easy game, right? And so there's no team that are basically already relegated at this point because you can just see there have been times Norwich have been in the league and you can just see that the level isn't there, right? Um, Huddersfield is a big one I remember as well. Do you remember how dreadful they were in their second season? I think. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Even pretty sure Sheffield United at, at one point didn't they have some? Didn't they have a big? Oh, they were gonna break the derby record at one point. In the first yeah, they were the on season, yeah. on course to do that. You know, there's always there's usually anyway a team that are like the the league's whooping boys and everyone's just okay. And as a Liverpool fan going through a hard period right now, I would be looking for that game to say right. Everyone just remember where the goal is. Salah just remember how to score again. Remember how to keep a clean sheet get that out of the way and then you can maybe just get a bit of confidence back and reignite things. Now there's no one really like that this season. So I think the most important thing if you're in that relegation scrap because everyone has quality, everyone has what you'd start calling Premier League quality to be honest. You'd maybe question Bournemouth but then they've done well under Gary under O'Neill and also have then invested in in the squad. Um, and they're definitely not like cut adrift or anything. In fact, they're not even bottom. But point being, um, in a very long-winded way, I feel like what is really crucial right now is to just have a good mood around the club. And that sounds a bit crazy to say, but I really do believe that just having like a good atmosphere of positivity, because it, all the teams have good players and all the teams pretty much have, have good managers. So... The fine margins are things are things like it's like people always say on football manager, if you can sort out the the cohesion and the team morale and things like that, you'll be fine. I, I, I sort of do believe this year that you've just got to not just got to have a good mood around the place, but because it's so tight, you need everything going in your favour. And having this petulant Nathan Jones coming out in interviews, digging out players, just even causing like disturbed friction and and fractions in the in the fan base because he's because of what he's doing the day before. If you're a Saints fan and you see your two arguably two of your best centre backs playing for the B team the day before, your new signing, you know, in the in the B team the day before, uh, whoever else there was, Epo, exciting winner winger. In the B team, these are game changers. Whether you're going to start them or not, at least at least have them in the squad to potentially change something. You've not got a team that's just going to go and walk through people. And then the last thing, sorry, just the exodus has turned into a Nathan Jones Southampton rant. <laughs> the, it's been building up a few weeks as well. The thing on top of that all, Brentford are a good team. Going away to Brentford and losing isn't some big embarrassing like you can go out with respect in that they they pumped united they beat us comfortably that's not saying much you know they they they're a very well drilled well organized 
like becoming more and more of an established Premier League club with talent in there as well. Let's not disrespect them. And, and a fantastic manager in Thomas Frank. And there are ways you can go about losing. And I don't think... I don't think losing away to Brentford is the biggest issue in, in Nathan Jones's season. And he starts coming out of all of this stuff about compromises and how his XG and how well he's done at other clubs. Just do it at this club. I don't need to hear everything you've done previously. I just need to see you do it in the Prem with a pretty poor Southampton team. And then I'll make my own mind up about how your teams play and you know what you can do. Just do it at the highest level. And then, and then you shut everyone up. Yep. They've got Wolves, Chelsea and Leeds this month, so we'll we'll have an idea of if Nathan Jones can turn it around. Uh, it will be very interesting after you come out with comments like that. I mean, that Leeds game especially is going to be... is going to be. I mean, Wolves as well, because it's all so tight down there, but Leeds especially after they've sat their manager, you know, that'll be, that'll be a big, big game. Well, it's all going on with managers. Um, uh, a new manager this week was Sean Deitch, who has returned to the Premier League with Everton. Wow, how exciting. Um, how exciting and what a first game. It was um, It was certainly a difference from the Frank Lampard-Everton side. Uh, it was the most that Everton had ran this season, um, which is always kind of weird because I, I wonder, like, why didn't they just do that for Lampard before? Like, did they just really want him gone or what? Because it's a significant amount that they were running more against Arsenal. Um, and I'll be interested to see how how much running they do. <laughs> it sounds a really boring thing. But if if they'll <laughs> keep up this level of intensity. Yeah, it's, why it's didn't hard, they just do more it? running, Sam? Huh? Somebody it's, get on the phone to Nathan <laughs> Jones. Just Nathan. Get him doing a bit more running. Yeah, I just will Everton get get tired if they keep doing this all the time as well. Because I, I, um, obviously, I'm jumping ahead a little bit because Sean Dyche did wonders at Burnley. He did a good job against Arsenal uh, on the on the weekend, but I do feel like people are. I feel like people as soon as Sean Dyche got the job are saying that Everton immediately going to stay up and beat Arsenal and oh Everton are just going to be fine now but I I think it's jumping the gun a bit because I do see a lot of problems in Everton still particularly their attack uh, one of those has already come come true beating Arsenal and I'm telling you right now I'll put a friendly wager on it they'll stay up see I don't I don't think they will they'll stay up and we'll reinstate my expert status okay is it big claim? I guess because we're both saying different things, it makes it interesting. Uh, because I think Calvert-Lewin is not good anymore. I don't know why he's not good. He was good for a while under Ancelotti. I don't think he was good. He was, um, you know, he's good if you're pumping long balls up and you want someone to knock it down to your wingers. But he, his heading in the box was really bad. He wasn't getting anything on target. He was offside all the time. His touch was dreadful. It felt like with um, with a better striker, they could have done more damage. And the, this game against Arsenal was like really one in the midfield because Everton's midfield three was just completely, completely. They were just pressing Arsenal so much, and 
The yeah. passing was really sloppy from Erdegaard, from Partey and Xhaka. They all had off games um, compared to someone like Saka, who I thought did pretty well, uh, at least at the start of the game. And then he got his eye scratched and his level dropped a bit. Um, and then, like I mentioned before, this is the kind of game that I feel Nketiah doesn't thrive in because... Uh, He's someone that you like to play in the space, which Everton made it really compact. So there were good elements from Everton, for sure. There was a lot of tactical smartness from Deitch. But just when it gets into that final third, I think they they scored from a corner and they didn't look a dangerous team. Yeah, but Sam, 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 I agree. I agree with what you're saying to a T. But... We've given the league has given Sean Dyche a midfield three of Decore, Gay, and Anana, and I think he's going to do sensational things with that midfield three. The league has given him Dominic Calvert Lewin. Okay, now I know Dominic Cavallone has had injuries. I know he might never reach the level he was before, which isn't even a particularly high level. He was just one of those players that was exciting because he was young, English. He was an out-and-out number nine. He was a big presence. He was ex- he was exciting to watch for certain, you know, for certain moments during his sort of breakthrough, yeah? But ultimately, Sean Dyche will be able to use that weapon brilliantly. Because, because... Look at Chris Wood. Chris Wood didn't need to be prolific. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, can we agree? Do, well, do we think Dominic Calvert-Lewin is, has the potential to be better than Chris Wood? Uh, no. No, I don't. Okay, you don't. I, think, okay. I liked Chris Wood a lot at Burnley. I thought Chris Wood was um, obviously really good in the air, but he's also surprisingly adequate technically. And I think he's a good finisher. I think Chris Wood is a good player. Okay, I agree. I agree, and I'm not knocking Chris Wood, and and I think he's a you know he's an intelligent. Okay, he, he, the the four four two that Dyche played at Burnley, it was they Chris Wood was good at pressing in a way that he wasn't some like he wasn't going to charge around pressing everyone, and he wasn't like a press forward. But what he could do was limit balls into the into the six right in the in the system that they played with two strikers, one of them dropping onto the onto the sort of holding midfielder and, and the other one going and pressing the centre-back um, and, and then working as sort of pistons, you know, to, to keep limiting that. He could do things like that well. I'm not knocking Chris Wood, but my point is is that I think in terms of raw talent, there's plenty for Dyche to work with in Dominic Calvert-Lewin and he doesn't need to be prolific because because a Sean Dyche team will score from set-pieces. They will, like... He could keep Burnley in the division for lots of seasons, and now Everton have got Burnley's two best players anyway in in McNeil and and Tarkovsky. Arguably, let me say, Pope was there, Ben Mee was there. You know, there were lots of it was a it was a it was a good Burnley team. He didn't do it with nothing, but he did it with limited resources. And I think this Everton team has plenty for Sean Dyche to work with, and he will be able to grind out enough results with how tight it is down at the bottom. He's tactically adept enough and he has a good enough team to to keep them up comfortably, I would say. Comfortably. I 
So I'm just going to say that I, I don't like Dwight McNeil anymore as well. I don't I think he's been a bit rubbish recently. He was good at Burnley, I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah, but, but all of Everton plays have been a bit rubbish. They've been under Frank Lampard. There's no clear... It's it's like it's like uh, they were so open to sort of defensive transitions. They didn't really have anything, any clear patterns of how they were gonna build up or how they were gonna create chances and score goals. It was poor management under under Lampard. Everton have been the worst run club in the league for some time now. They deserve to go down purely on that basis. But I think the one decision of bringing in Sean Dyche. And it sounds like I just love Sean Dyche, but I think it does cancel out all of the, not all of the bad business that they're doing, but it's better than signing James Rodriguez. Do you know what I mean? As 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 good as an idea of signing James Rodriguez is, Sean Dyche, for now, is what they need. And I think they've made the right decision. Finally, they've made a right decision. I'd have loved to see Sean Dyche manage James uh, Rodriguez. Just He'd just be calling him James all the time. Oh, I had a player like you, but he was called Jay Rodriguez. <laughs> okay, that's my Sean Dyche. Yeah, not bad. Six out of ten. Um, so Everton uh, above Bournemouth and Southampton at the moment. The only one I see them overtaking is Leeds, but I think Leeds have a better squad than Everton. It just depends who manages them. But I think Leeds will stay up based on all the good players that they have. To, to be fair, looking at it, because Forrest have actually managed to open up a bit of a gap, it, it it is not tough, but it isn't like a straightforward a job for Everton to escape. This is my problem because both Twitter and pundits have seemed to be saying this, and it felt like once Sean Dyche got, um, got hired that people had this um, scenario in mind of how it would play out and that the Arsenal result is just like, fueled this image they have of a Sean Dyche Everton team because although the Everton have jumped up two levels from Frank Lampard it's they were levels below before I think the bottom line of it is teams are never it, it, the situation is never usually as bad as it seems that's what I'm clinging on to in regards to Liverpool and when you're on top the situation is never really as good as it seems and I and I just think you look at the bottom of the table. Southampton, they could be in real danger because of their petulant man that they brought in and the position they're already in. Bournemouth... I, d- I don't know. I don't, I don't really know what to say about Bournemouth. They've been on a bad run as well recently. Since Gary O'Neill got made permanent, they've, uh, they've dropped as well. They have. They have, but... To be honest, I thought they'd be further adrift than they are now. It'll, it'll be interesting, but it's not looking good. But yeah, in terms of it, it's more just the case of... It's nothing really against Gary O'Neill or Bournemouth. It's more just when you look at the teams above them. You know, Everton have so much more quality than them and a good manager. Leeds, lots of quality, but I, th- I think Leeds get sucked into it. West Ham, I don't know. Wolves, Leicester, Forest, and then you just—they're all fine, I think. I think Wolves, Leicester, and Forest are, are not going to go down at the, the least. I think Wolves would definitely go up the table. I think Leicester could, and Forest are in a great spot. So, but is it just the? Are we the whipping boys? Liverpool. Yeah. Is it the? Is it the? Are Wolves good? Are Wolves actually good? 
or are we just really bad? Is is kind of where my head's at at the moment, Sam. I don't think. Uh, well, it's a mix of both, obviously, but they have a great squad and they have a great manager, so I think they'll be fine. I think people, you look at that Wolf squad and it's kind of insane. Yeah, but I'm not sure. I'm. I don't know. I think this Jorge Mendes. Uh, Do you call him Sean Mendes? What? <laughs> Jorge or Jorge? Is it Jorge? Because he's Portuguese. They like to. They like to pronounce their J's. Oh, Jorge. Jorge Mendes. The the Jorge Mendes exper- uh, experiment. Sorry, I think it just means that they end up with all the Portuguese youngsters that 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 people don't really want, don't they? Well, it's like a stepping stone, isn't it? Really, that's the idea. We'll talk about Wolves another time, actually. So, just to do a mini Arsenal rant uh, while we're sort of coming towards the end of this week's uh, pressing matters, um, not very happy with the referee against Everton as well. Because if you remember Sean Dyche uh, at Burnley, they had this insane record where they just didn't get booked at all. They had like the most, um, they had the most fouls per yellow card. Yeah, there was a lot of weirdness in this game from an Arsenal point of view because Mopay comes on, who is like uh the arch enemy of Arsenal and uh he just trips up Gabriel in the box and then VAR doesn't look at it and it feels like there's a weird situation VAR in in all the games uh where the referee isn't sure about something so he leaves it to VAR but the new VAR rules are saying that it has to be something completely 100% outrageous that he's missed to to overrule it like I think if anyone looks at that incident of Mopé tripping up Gabriel, they'd say it should be a penalty because it's it just you just trip someone up in the box, and then the weird incident at the end of the match. Obviously, it's irrelevant, but Mopé just kicks Zinchenko off the ball in the back of his leg. Zinchenko turns around, and then Mopé wrestles him to the ground. And when Mopé is on the ground, Zinchenko like goes over and points a finger in his face and is like saying something to him, I don't know, like, what are you doing, probably. And uh, the referee decided that that was a yellow card for both of them, which is just, like, complete nonsense. Like, Oh, Sam, 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 that's what they do, though. One instigates something, the other one reacts, both yellows. And it's always a joke, but it's always been the way. It's, it always happens like that. And, in you know, I, I understand your frustrations, the refing, there is no consistency, and it's all a shambles. And VAR just doesn't seem to have any purpose at the moment. It's just a safety net, as Howard Webb said, for 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 howlers, which shouldn't be happening anyway. Which should be sackable offences for refs anyway. These howlers. So I understand what you're saying, but look, we all need a pantomime villain in our life. It helps that Mope is a bit of a gold vacuum. Um... But yeah, I just watched three games this weekend and the yellow cards were just insanely inconsistent in all of them. So maybe Howard Webb can fix that. But I doubt it. Yeah. Because there was this situation as well where Gay just scratches Saka's eye and then pushes Martinelli in the face and doesn't get booked. Like, it, I'm not looking forward to a season of Deitch if it's going to be the Burnley fouling, but with players that are a bit better as well. Yeah, yeah, I understand. I understand. You can, you can. We could, we could use this podcast as a space for you to just rant to me about. Um, it could be like therapy, Sam. It could just be used as a space for you to just complain, shout into the void, 
Open the front door, shout into the void about rats <laughs> and how horrendous they are. It's okay. It's all going to be okay. But Daish's tricky blues are going to be are going to be coming for you next season, whether you like it or not. All right, because they're staying up. <laughs> what a title charge? Is that what you're saying? Title charge for Everton next season, top four. Let's Sounded like you were suggesting that. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. I'm really not looking forward to the Merseyside derby, Sam. I'm actually dreading it. Well, it's usually like the most boring game of the year, so hopefully uh, there'll be some running in the midfield. Well, no, it still will be, but we'll be too bad to even deal with it, and we'll probably just get torn apart on the break. FPL tip of the week, Sam. I had a shocking week, Sam. Do you want to know my midfield four on FPL at the moment? Yeah, and I'll tell you who to get rid of. Kulisevsky, De Bruyne, Kevin De Bruyne, Martinelli, Mudrik. Get rid. Do you want to know the amount of points Literally, that they got there? Get, get rid of all of them. One, 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 three. <laughs> It's not even like De Bruyne keep because he's got two games and he'll probably play both of them. But Kulisevsky isn't a great FPL asset. Martinelli is a lot worse uh, without Jesus. Um, no, I'm sticking with Kulisevsky. He's a bit of a star boy, Kulisevsky. Don't you dare call him a star boy. <laughs> Mudrick. <laughs> uh, See how much I can push you uh, this week. Yeah, so what you want is you want uh, you want a Man United midfield. You want either Rashford or Fernandez. But Arsenal have some double game weeks, don't they now? So yes, uh, yes, they have two coming up. So you might want Erdegaard or you might want Inketia. Well, I'm thinking I probably want. May, I might just take Erdegaard and Saka and just have Erdegaard, Martinelli, Saka, and just see. Oh, you don't have Saka? I thought you had Saka. No, Sam, definitely I get don't Saka. have Saka because I'm a sh- I'm a shamble uh, <laughs> at the moment. And also Mitoma. Mitoma's got blank coming up, but he's got great fixtures outside of it. So, see, my problem, Sam, is that everyone who plays well against us, I just think, mm, yeah, they've done well and things, but they're not that good. <laughs> well, I look forward to hearing your thoughts on the Merseyside derby next week. It's also Manchester City, Aston Villa, and uh, we've got two fixtures of Leeds United versus Manchester United. To catch up on too, well, so that'll be nice. Um, all right, I guess we're done, aren't we? I think we are. I think we are. It sort of spiraled into a bit of a a bit of a depressive cry out for help at the end there. Sorry about that. I'm I'm fine. Everything's fine at home. The Reds will be back. Don't you worry about it. Well, okay, we'll end on a high, I guess. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> what's the high there's no high here for, with, with Liverpool um, what could the high be Sam what could be a good high that we end on oh did I have something on my phone did I see something interesting uh, oh no the, the things I had saved on my phone were just Bournemouth's terrible record recently and a picture of an alligator that says are you a gator because I want to see you later I don't know if that's really putting me, really a joke. propelling me up onto a high, but um, you know what the high can be? Darwin Nunez. Darwin Nunez has a really good uh, non-penalty XG. He's fourth. Yeah, it'd be, be nice Europe. if you started putting him in. 
Nketiah's top, by the way. <sighs> okay. I'm trying to... I'm scrambling around looking for a high. Nothing's coming to me. Oh, I'll give you a high. I'll give you so many highs. Virgil van Dijk. Back in training next week. Diogo Jota. Rumoured to be back in training next week. Roberto Firmino. Rumoured to be back in training next week. Luis Diaz. Hopefully still alive and and, and <coughs> as well as he can be with that knee of his. And might not be too... Surely can't be too far away now. Surely. Uh, Ibrahima Kanate should be back in maybe a week and a half. Could be longer, we'll see. So all be well, Sam. All be well. Normality will be restored to the league. And next season might just be our season. Trust me, it will, we'll be falling out next season when there's a Liverpool resurgence and Arsenal potentially have, uh, have bottled this year's title. So we're hungrier than ever for it. Okay. Okay. Well, it's good to be optimistic. Uh, <laughs> I think that sums it up for this week. We'll uh, see you next week. See um, you later, alligator. See you later. Uh, no, in a while, crocodile. I believe that's the response there. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs>